When I was growing up, every Saturday afternoon, my mother baked the cake. And when it was all baked, I always asked for a piece of her cake, which I would do today if she did it. <laughs> and she always gave me the same answer, no, this is for company tomorrow afternoon. So I would ask, who's coming? And she would say, I don't know, but whoever it is, they'll be served coffee and cake. And so it was, every Sunday afternoon, somebody always came. And they got served coffee and cake, and they were made to feel welcome. All kinds of people came. Some of them were funny. Some of them were odd. Some of them entertaining. Some of them were strange. Some of them were soft-spoken. Some of them were just plain crazy. And they were all welcomed with open arms and served coffee and cake, made to feel right at home. And I am sure that some of those people who came, came because they had nowhere else to go where they could feel welcome. Some were people that I will never forget. There was a man named Billy Hint. I remember he said he was taking guitar lessons and he brought his guitar to show us his progress. And so he played two notes on the guitar, and he said, can you guess what song that is? <laughs> and Mom politely tried to guess the song, and she said, was it Rock of Ages? He goes, no, no. And he said, that was amazing, Grace. <laughs> then he played the same two notes again and said, guess what that song is? And Mom said, well, that sounds like Amazing Grace. And Billy says, no, 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 that was Rock of Ages. I remember we had some neighbors named the Sons that lived down the road from us. And Mrs. Son came to visit with her daughter, Linda. Now, Linda was a full-grown girl, but severely handicapped. She could only say about four or five words. And one of those words that she said was, baby. Well, when Linda saw me, she always screamed, baby, baby. Well, one day, I got a little too close. Linda grabbed me and squeezed the air right out of me and started screaming, baby, baby, baby. Mom jumped up, had to pry Linda's hands off of me as I was gasping for breath. After that, when Linda came, I hid in the closet just for safety's sake. <laughs> but that was my mother, always welcoming and kind. My father was happy-go-lucky. Between the two of them, they entertained all sorts of people. And as children, we learn to accept all different kinds of people, odd people and strange people, even crazy people. And I think that was a good thing. I remember once years later, somebody said to me, uh, Eric, uh, I think East Shelby Church is a bunch of misfits. And I said, I hope so. I hope it is, so I can feel at home <laughs> when I'm here. <laughs> That's how it is with people, isn't it? We meet people, we listen to them, we talk to them, we get to know them, and sometimes they're easygoing and they're pleasant to be with, sometimes they're bad-tempered people who we'd rather avoid, sometimes they're friendly, sometimes they're odd. We make our observations and quietly we decide how will we react to these people. Shall we befriend them? Or should we avoid them? 
Will they become companions, or should we separate ourselves from their company? We make these decisions quietly in our minds, and we deal with people according to the private thoughts that we have. That's the way human relationships tend to unfold. Now, as we consider the events that took place on the first Christmas, surrounding the birth of Jesus, we come upon the story of a man who is quite a wonderful fellow. And this wonderful man will teach us something very fascinating about the baby Jesus. As our story unfolds, eight days have gone by. Jesus, a newborn baby, is eight days old. And that's a milestone for a Jewish baby boy. If the parents of an eight-day-old baby are near Jerusalem, they can go to the temple and do a series of events on the eighth day of the baby's life. At the temple, he'll be officially named. Now, the angel had already chosen the name, Jesus. And so the boy was officially named he will also be circumcised on the eighth day. And then the parents will offer a sacrifice. And the reason for the sacrifice is that the first of anything belongs to God. From the first mint you grow in your garden, to the first lamb born to your sheep, to the firstborn son of your womb, all things belong to God. And so you must redeem them, or so to speak, buy them back from God. And so when a firstborn son, like Jesus, is born on the eighth day, the parents will offer a sacrifice of two turtle doves to buy back the child from God. Now, isn't it amazing that the most valuable life ever lived was purchased for two pigeons. I think that's an amazing statement. So it was. Bethlehem is only seven miles from Jerusalem, and Mary and Joseph decide to travel to the temple and have all these requirements done for baby Jesus on the eighth day of his life. Simultaneously, as Mary and Joseph traveled to the temple, Another man is also planning a trip to the temple. But let's meet him and find out who he is. I'm reading out of Luke chapter number 2 and verse number 25. And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And the same man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Ghost was upon him. And it was revealed unto him by the Holy Ghost that he should not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came by the Spirit into the temple. So here's a man named Simeon. He's a man who knows God. He walks and talks with God. He keeps a close relationship with God. And because of his close relationship, God speaks to Simeon's heart. Somewhere in his inner being, God gives Simeon information. He's described as, quote, waiting for the consolation of Israel. 
Now what that means is that Simeon is anxiously waiting for the Messiah to come. And he prays to God regularly that the Messiah will soon arrive. Now a lot of Jews are waiting for Messiah. But many of them want a political Messiah to come who will break the hold of the Roman Empire. But not Simeon. He prays for consolation or a consoling Messiah, a Messiah who will bring comfort and encouragement to the hearts of God's people. Not a political Messiah, but a spiritual Messiah. There are a tiny minority of people in Israel at that time who long for a spiritual leader, a Messiah to come. People like Zacharias and Elizabeth, like Mary and Joseph, and now Simeon. Simeon, in his earnest prayers, has asked God, please hurry. <laughs> Send that Messiah soon. And his reason is, I'm getting old. I'm beginning to think about the end of my life. Now, young men do not consider such things, but older men do. So it was, God spoke to Simeon's heart and said, You will not die before you see the promised Messiah. Now Simeon wasn't told how he would see the Messiah. Would he be full grown and enter Jerusalem as a conquering hero? Would he see him at a distance, entering into the temple courtyard? Just how would he see this coming Messiah. That was something that Simeon didn't know. And then we have this wonderful sentence. I love this sentence. It says, He came by the Spirit into the temple. I love it. Do you want to know how the Holy Spirit operates? Do you want to understand how the Holy Spirit works in your life? Here it is, plain and clear. See the Spirit in action here. Simeon has an urge, a deep impression on his mind. He gets up in the morning and he feels the urge to go to church. There's no reason given, no explanations, just an urge, an impression, a strong feeling. I need to go to church today. Well, my friend, that's the way the Holy Spirit works. You're going along, you're living your life, and suddenly there comes an unexplained urge. For Simeon, it's get up and go to church. Notice, Simeon didn't say, oh, I don't know, this chair is really comfortable. <laughs> Simeon didn't say, I don't know, it looks like rain or snow. <laughs> Simeon didn't say, there will be another day. No. He got up and went to church. No excuses, no arguing. He followed the urge and did what he felt he was supposed to do. Not knowing that eight days ago a baby boy was born. Not knowing that Mary and Joseph were on their way to the temple. I don't think he thought about the reason for the urge that he felt. 
You don't do that with the Spirit. You don't question it. You just do it. He just felt the urge and he obeyed. And much to his surprise, he enters the temple and walks to the place of sacrifice. And suddenly, verse 27, he came by the Spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him after the custom of the law, then he took him in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now thou lettest thy servant depart in peace according to thy word. As he's walking along, he sees mom and dad carrying a newborn baby. And God whispers in Simeon's ear, that's him. That's the one. Now why did God whisper in Simeon's ear? Because this baby looks like a plain, ordinary, eight-day-old, helpless, newborn Baby, there's nothing special about his appearance. There's no halo over his head. There's no fancy clone. Just, just a plain, ordinary baby boy. And by the eye, nothing special. But Simeon's actions are led by the Spirit of God as he speaks to a man's heart. And God said, look, that's him. Simeon, full of joy, uh, rushes up to Mary and Joseph. Can I hold him? Can I hold him? Mary says, why well, certainly and gives her baby to the old man. And he holds that baby close in his arms. And he must have prayed to God, you said I would see him. But I never thought I'd get to hold him. <laughs> and God does so much more, doesn't he? More than we ask or think. As old Simeon hugs that baby close, his joy just overflows. And he took him in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now let us thy servant depart in peace according to thy word. For mine eyes have seen thy salvation, which thou hast prepared before the face of all people, a light delight in the Gentiles and the glory of his people, Israel. Now, he says, I can die in peace. Seeing God's plan, it will lighten the Gentiles, or that is, all people will have light in their minds, or a clear, plain concept of God. They'll understand God because of this little baby. Israel will see this baby as the best thing that ever happened to us, and he's so happy. He's just thrilled. But I love verse 33. And Joseph... And his mother marveled at the things which were spoken of him. Baby Jesus is so ordinary. He's eight days old, totally dependent baby, completely unable to survive without the constant care of Mary and Joseph. He's a weak, helpless, eight-day-old baby. And Mary and Joseph think, that all this talk about the glory of Israel and the light of the Gentiles, we don't get it, he's just a plain baby. Now what happens next is amazing. Simeon's been overjoyed at the sight of baby Jesus, not just to see him, but to hold him in his arms. He's bursting with joy when a bright, happy message, here he is, the Messiah has come, glory to God. But then, there's a hesitation. Change comes.
comes over Simeon. As if a new thought has come into his mind. And on his face, you can see he seems to be feeling a very different emotion. It doesn't say what changed Simeon's mind. I wonder if he just looked around. If he looked across the temple courtyard and he saw something that changed his mood. He's about to say the most amazing thing about this baby. Is it the Holy Spirit whispering in his ear again? Yes, I'm sure of that. But there's more. He's in a temple. You understand it's a huge place. 27 acres, all walled in. And most of it was open courtyard. As he looks over the expanse that is that 27 acres, he can see, of course, other people. Maybe over there, is a fancy pants rabbi who expects people to gather around him and listen to his teaching. And that rabbi would never stop and hold a newborn baby, especially when he had parents like Mary and Joseph. Or did Simeon look over and see one of the family members of the high priest heading over to the bazaar where they exchange money and sell lambs and doves, that family member of the high priest would never pick up a newborn baby. His main concern is money. He's there for the money. He could care less about an eight-day-old baby. Or did Simeon see the priests who are making the sacrifice of two pigeons for baby Jesus, who couldn't even be bothered to speak to Mary and Joseph as they mechanically go through the motions, never even suspecting that this baby was anyone but the son of a poverty-stricken couple. And there Simeon held in his arms the Messiah, and nobody so he made a prediction, or more precisely, a prophecy. Verse number 34. Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is set for the fall and rising again of many in Israel, for a sign which shall be spoken against. Yea, a sword shall pierce through thine own soul also that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. He says, this baby will be spoken of and spoken against. Some will fall because of this baby and they'll be destroyed. Others will rise and they'll be blessed by this baby. How? Now, how will this baby cause people to fall or rise, to fail or succeed, 
to be destroyed or be saved? How will this eight-day-old baby do all that? Well, says Simeon, this is no ordinary baby. He may look ordinary, but don't be deceived. This is no ordinary baby. Now, we know that because we've been following the Christmas story. After all, the angel told Mary he's going to be called the son of the highest. And he said to Joseph, you shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. And after all, as we learned from Matthew's gospel, he's got his own star. <laughs> oh no, this is no ordinary baby. And people will fall, and some people will rise. And how will this baby do all that? He will reveal the secrets in men's hearts. He will cause people's innermost thoughts to be exposed. He will penetrate the minds of people and expose their innermost thoughts and their private feelings. Some for good, they will rise. Some for evil, and they will fall. He will expose people's thoughts. And Simeon said, he just did that to me. Now you know that I've been thinking about death, that I've been praying about the Messiah. He exposed my thoughts. I didn't want to die and not see this baby. He just exposed all my secret desires and all my secret thoughts. He will expose many people's thoughts. Wise men will travel across the desert and say, We have seen his star. Where is the king? We come to worshiping, exposing their hearts to King Herod. King Herod will be exposed as he meets in secret with his counselors and tries to find out where the Messiah will be born. Herod will be exposed as a horribly evil man when he murders the baby boys of Bethlehem. And for Jesus it will go on and on. Proud Pharisees will be exposed when Jesus teaches the people. Greedy priests will be exposed when Jesus uses a whip and overturns the tables of the money changers. Zacchaeus will be exposed as a thieving tax collector, but he will rise with Jesus for giving ways and a visit to his house. Mary Magdalene will be exposed as having seven demons, but she will also rise as Jesus sets her free. So it is always with Jesus, your secret thoughts, your secret sin, all exposed. Jesus will reveal the thoughts of many hearts. So you cannot treat Jesus like you treat other people. Now you may choose to avoid some people. You cannot avoid Jesus. You may choose to abandon other people, to separate yourselves, 
from other people, but you cannot separate yourself from Jesus. There was a man named A.B. Simpson, and he wrote a song about this very thing. He said, Jesus is standing in Pilate's hall, friendless, forsaken, betrayed by all. Hearken, what meaneth the sudden call? What will you do with Jesus? What will you do with Jesus? Neutral you cannot be. Someday your heart will be asking, what will he do with me? Wow. You say, oh, Simeon made a chilling statement about that baby Jesus, didn't he? No, no, that's not it. It's a chilling assessment of human nature. We want to avoid. We want to separate. We want to ignore God keep our secrets to ourselves. But the baby comes to bring light to the Gentiles. Now you don't have to fall. You can rise instead. He will expose you. He did me. I was a rebel. I rebelled against many, many things. But he exposed me. Jesus comes to me, and because of him, I rise. I rise to serve him. I rise to worship him. I rise forgiven. I rise blessed. I rise joyful and happy, and so can you. Open your heart to him. Don't hide anything. Let him expose you at the same time. Forgive you. He knows the thoughts of your heart. Fill your heart with love for Jesus. Let his love be shed abroad and pour out to others. Jesus is no ordinary baby and no ordinary man. He sees into your heart. Others may reject you and avoid you and separate from you, but he offers a relationship that will sweep you up in his arms like Simeon did the baby Jesus. Holds you close and loves you. And you trust him with your thoughts? Simeon did. Simeon said, I'm all ready to die in peace now. Maybe Jesus has exposed my heart and I love him for it. May Jesus help you to rise on this Christmas day. He's no ordinary person. But you must understand, your life is tied to his life. You cannot be neutral past I have seen people separate themselves from this church but let me assure you they have not separated themselves from Jesus they can avoid us but they cannot avoid him so today run to him get close to him and rise rise to meet him rise to his call rise to his service rise to his love so it'll be a Merry Christmas to you with Jesus as your friend, as you respond to his urges and rise to his call. And we say to you, Merry Christmas. Let's bow our heads for a prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for what Jesus did, for how he works. We're grateful in our heart that we have this information so that we know can rise with him and come and stand before him.
give ourselves to it. So on this Christmas day, as we think of giving gifts, Lord, the best one I can think of is what I can give to you, all my heart. We thank you for accepting us that way and helping us to rise and serve. So it's a pleasure to know you. It's an honor to serve you. And we're happy to do it here on this day. And so we are thankful to you for the opportunity given to us here might serve you in this wonderful way. Praise things in Jesus' name. Amen. I know there's been a driving ban. We're here anyway. <laughs> and uh, COVID didn't stop us. Cancer didn't stop us. So a little bit of snow not going to stop us. We're happy to be here. Wish you a very Merry Christmas. We're going to close with a song today. One more Come all ye faith.
to close in a word of prayer, and we're going off the air then. Go ahead. Dear Lord, we are grateful for that little baby Jesus who was born in that manger so long ago, and yet our hearts can be touched by him this day. We just pray that we would listen to the call of Christ and know that we need you in our heart and know that you need to come in and that you will expose the things that we have done. We ask for forgiveness for those things and we ask that you would help change us, make us the people you want us to be and help us to rise. We know that you bring healing for all of those things as well. We are grateful for the love that you have shown to us. Thank you, Lord, for this great gift of the Lord Jesus Christ in our lives and the chance to be together in heaven with him and with all of anybody who will believe. Thank you for this great, wonderful Christmas day. In your name we pray. Amen. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas, everybody. Merry Christmas. Yeah.